The Pillars of Vintage. Next on Eternal Dirtles. Before we get started, I want to give a quick thanks and appreciation out there to all the Dirtle Maniacs that support us on Patreon. Without these people, the podcast could not afford the production upgrades and time we devote to it. If you appreciate the content we create, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me this week, special guest, David Kaplan. Dave, how are you doing, man? Good, good. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. Uh, we don't get to do so a, a ton of vintage uh, content, so... Uh, you know, with Eternal Weekend coming up, I figured uh, it was it was time to have you on and, and uh, you know, we can talk about vintage and really uh, dig into the format and, uh, you know, allow people to get an idea of, of the format as a whole and sort of, you know, focus in on a couple decks that they might see if they're playing in Eternal Weekend this, this time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's perfect time to talk about vintage. Yeah. And you got you have a, a big tournament coming up at by, by, by Frost. Uh, in New York this weekend. So this should go live tomorrow, which is Friday. Um, and do you still have spots open for that? Uh, yeah, so this one's actually going to be in Long Island City at, interestingly enough, an indoor sand volleyball court that has space for gaming uh, called QBK Sports. Uh, we do also do some events at Bifrost, but this one's in Long Island City. And right now we have 30 people signed up, but we cap at 32 so if any listeners uh, want to get some full proxy vintage in on Saturday, uh, please feel free to look me up on Twitter. It's David underscore H underscore Kaplan and send me a message and we got two spots left. That's awesome. Uh, that's Yeah, that's going to be a really fun event. And 32 people is a is a big event uh, for, for vintage. That's going to give you a pretty good taste of the metagame coming into uh, Eternal Weekend, I think. It is. Yeah, it's a great scene. We started with about 16 and over the last year we've built up to almost 32. So I think it's a great snapshot of the metagame. And uh, it's really nice because we do full proxy. So you can try out uh, something that you wouldn't ordinarily play without having to commit to getting the cards and uh, see what is going to be best for you for Eternal Champs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what we really want to talk about is is the pillars of, of Vintage. You know, in, in Legacy, we talk about the pillars a lot where we have, you know, the Brainstorm decks, the Storm decks, uh, the Ancient Tomb decks. But, you know, those those don't carry over completely over to, uh, obviously, most of those cards are restricted or or something like that. So we, we want to talk about the pillars of Vintage in a way that makes sense. And I think you probably have a, a better idea than I do of what the current like four or five uh, main types of decks are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So from a high level, I'll just mention the ones that I think are the most relevant. Um, Oath of Druids is right now one of the more popular uh, archetypes. It's become a bit more of a combo deck. And, um, you know, let me know how, how deep we should get into the specifics, but I'll just list the high level stuff now. Uh, so Oath of Druids, uh, you know, wanting to get a big creature into play is one pillar. Uh, fair blue decks have become very popular, more so than they have been in recent years, uh, where you play a lot of blue spells, you have Force of Will uh, to protect yourself, and, um, you know, you want to make sure that you, you get some good advantage in there. Uh, so that's another pillar. You've got your combo decks, you've got your Doomsday you got your Beseech the Storm, Dark Ritual type combo decks. Paradoxal Outcome is another combo deck. And those try to win fast. 
and you've got your Mishra's Workshop decks, which try and take advantage of fast mana through Ancient Tomb and Mishra's Workshop. And you've got uh, another variant of an Ancient Tomb deck. Uh, this is Mono White Initiative. And you could say any other aggressive deck that tries to use powerful creatures uh, to win the game. And then the last pillar is probably going to be your Bizarre Baghdad decks. Um, you've got your Dredge, you've got your Aggro Vine that try and make the most of um, using Bizarre Baghdad for a lot of value. Awesome. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a, I think that's a solid six six pillars there. You've got Oath of Druids, you've got uh, the uh, like Ancient Tomb creature decks and in, in initiative uh, shops, of course, uh, and then Storm, Fair Blue decks, and and Dredge. So yeah, I think th- th- that's pretty much what I what I would have expected as far as the metagame is concerned. But let's dive deeper into these decks and kind of get a better idea. Um, and of course, we'll have. You know, we'll have some sample deck lists on the on the uh, Eternal Dirtles mock field, so you can always check that down in the in the description of the video uh, or on Spotify. Uh, so the the main thing I, I think that w- we should discuss when we're talking about these decks are what the new cards are. What are the what are the changes o- over time? So I, I know Oath of Druids. I had seen some lists. So uh, the big the big change there seems like it's a Traxa, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, Oath of Druids, you know, is very much a tier one deck for many years, you know, maybe say going back five, six and more years, uh, usually getting Grizzlebrand, sometimes a new creature would get printed, um, but that was usually the best target. And then it kind of fell out of favor as more cards got printed and it made it, so having a Grizzlebrand wasn't an instant game win. And when Atraxa was printed, that offers a lot because you don't have to pay seven life. And um, that's a huge advantage in a metagame where there's so much uh, fast um, pressure uh, that you're able to also have uh, access to 10 cards instead of seven. So there's a lot of upside. Also, Atraxa is a blue card that you can pitch to Force of Will. So there's a lot of nice features of Atraxa uh, compared to Grizzlebrand. Well, I, I and, think I would say one of them is probably that you can include four in the deck if you want to, right? Because it pitches to Force Will. You're not in a situation where that's yes, a dead card in your hand. Very much so. Um, and getting a redundant one off itself means you have that blue card to pitch. So very much so. And it's gotten to the point where show and tell is taking the place of Planeswalkers. Oath, in recent years, Oath has been paired with Planeswalkers for more of a control deck. So you had Ren and Six uh, also facilitating a Red Splash as a bit more of a grindy value Oath deck. Uh, But with Show and Tell becoming more and more popular, it's a lot about getting a turn one Show and Tell Oath Tinker or Flash. Flash is very interesting. Flash, that's that's a yeah. new one too. We we haven't seen Flash since Protean Hulk. Yep, Flash is nice. Um, it really gets the job done. Gives you that instant uh, top ten card access. So you're really looking for turn advice. I've been given, which I think is very valuable, is you want to turn one combo or turn two combo with protection. And 
oh, mulligan aggressively if you don't have either of those. And for somebody who's coming over from legacy, it might be very tempting to look at a mix of lands and spells that look good together and say, oh, this is a good hand. It might be good for legacy, but in vintage, it's just a little bit faster. So take advantage of the London Mulligan, uh, get another look at seven, and then put the worst one back and aim for that turn one combo or turn two combo with protection. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think it, it probably would behoove us to talk about the cards that make up the Oath deck. Uh, like, what what is it? Uh, the Orchard card. Which which one's that? Forbidden Orchard. Forbidden Orchard, yeah. The one that makes the spirit token for your opponent. So he, uh, they have a creature in play, uh, which allows you to get the Oath out. Because, you know... A classic old school uh, way to stop the oath would be to just not play creatures. Right. So, yeah, I'm definitely speaking a bit from um, a lover of familiarity that um, is someone to play vintage a little bit. But thanks for bringing up that if you're more new to vintage, uh, Oath of Druids, of course, a lot of people do not play creatures in vintage or will realize that you're an Oath of Druids deck and not play their creatures. So Forbidden Orchard forces your opponent to have a creature so you can get your oath activation. I would say Forbidden Orchard is probably the the other card that you're like, yeah, that's a four of every time. Like that's a mm-hmm. card, you know, you know you need. But uh so you had mentioned uh when we when we were first talking about the, the you know the larger view of this deck that it was now a combo deck. It was more of a combo deck. So does does that mean that the deck endeavors to just get out of Traxa? and then do some sort of a combo from there? Or is it a combo deck because it's, you know, basically reanimating a Traxa? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the combo is just getting the Atraxa in play. Yeah, and then from there, you can set up uh, your next few turns. Uh, you know, you do win by attacking with Atraxa. That, that is the primary win condition. You know, you also have Oko's. Oko's very versatile. If you don't have a Forbidden Orchard, it can force your opponent to have a creature. If your opponent has a containment priest or a graph digger's cage, you can turn it off. Um, but yeah, you're primarily winning the game by attacking with the Traxel. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about the Shops deck, because I feel like that's the other, like, that's probably the mo- one of the most played decks in the format, and it's the easiest to spot, too. Yeah, so Workshops, for, I'd say, a good three-plus years, when I first started playing Vintage again, I played Vintage until 20, oh, 2003 uh, when I got to high school. And then I quit Magic for 10 years. And I had a very similar uh, gap in my, yeah. in my Magic history as well. Yeah, yeah a lot of people. Uh, so when I came back in 2014, probably for four, maybe in five years, um, Shops was probably the most powerful deck. You had access to Four Chalice of the Void which could just shut out the game on its own. You had four Thorn of Amethyst, which made all spells cost more. You had four Lodestone Golem, which made spells cost more. Um, I think there might have been a short period where you had four Trinisphere, which could instantly win the game. 
Uh, but all those spells were so powerful that they ended up restricting them. And with all those restrictions, not getting a whole lot of new cards in the archetype and everything else getting more powerful, shops has shrunk in the metagame considerably um, to the point that I think all shops variants combined are under 10%. So, you know, when you're thinking about Eternal Weekend, it's usually pretty common that if somebody played a deck a year ago, there's a good chance they're going to play it again because a lot of people don't have as much opportunity to play vintage. So there might be a little bit more shops at champs than there is in the current metagame just because people like to play the cards they have. Uh, but yeah, shops is shrunk in the metagame and is probably a little less powerful than it was in years prior. Awesome. Uh, so the big thing with shops is, you know, obviously playing the the workshop and then playing hate pieces to stop your your opponent in the form of you know your restricted cards, your chalice of the void. Uh, is it thorn or is it uh, uh, sphere of resistance? Here. That sphere of resistance is is restricted. Thorn is the thorn is legal. Way. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, the yeah. one the one that doesn't help you as much. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, lodestone golem. And then you're you're pretty much kind of from there. From what I remember with the deck is you're it's kind of open. You can play stuff like uh, what's the what's the uh, metal crafter guy that like taps gets rid of three artifacts and like search it. Cadola Forge, Forge Master. Master, yeah, yeah, Forge yeah. Master. So yeah, that that's definitely a perfect snapshot of you know maybe yesteryear's shops. Yeah. And now Shops has really kind of had to catch up with the speed of every other deck. So Null Rod Shops is um, one of the ways you can combat speed. You know, the deck plays like every mana rock uh, possible. Um, so you'd think that Null Rod would really hinder you, and it does. But it's kind of um, one of the ways that the more aggressive Shops decks are hating on your opponent's uh, artifact mana. Yeah. So that that's one angle, which is like a very strong, you know, pivot from uh, Forge Master, which you would take a full turn to activate. You'd have to sacrifice three artifacts, but you would get the most powerful artifact in your deck. Yeah. Um, I love that card. It was great. Uh, I think it's just a little bit slow now. Yeah. So... Uh I know, I know. There was an interim uh, where there was there was those bigger shops decks, but then there was also like Ravager shops. It, uh, and so, I, you know, with Nolrod being a thing, Ravager doesn't seem like it's it's Correct. a perfect card to play there, there. So I'm assuming we've moved away from Ravager shops as well, right? And Patchwork Automaton was printed recently, and it fits perfectly. That's a great spot in for that it, yeah. Ravager spot. Uh, so yeah, those. Artifacts with activated abilities, Steel Overseer was another one. They've all kind of um, fallen aside. Uh, so in addition to the more aggressive Null Rod version, there are more uh, conservative versions that play a slower game that have a toolbox. But instead of years prior with the Forge Master, where your toolbox was other artifacts, now it's Golos. Golos oh, has taken okay. that Forge Master spot, and now your toolbox is lands. So you have a Bajuka Bog to get someone's graveyard. 
Uh, you know, you could have uh, Inventor's Fair, so you could search up another artifact. Uh, so there's a lot of different... Um, but the Golos, you get the land right away. Yeah. So, Are these decks also playing... Uh, I feel like a card that works that would work in this scenario would be uh, like uh, Crucible of Worlds, and then you could just mm-hmm. you know waste them out yep. of the game or strip mine them out of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, cool. And like I said, we'll have all the th- those lists below, so you can check there. Um, in fact, we should take a quick break and uh, give give a shout out to Moxfield. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan-supported formats like Pre-Modern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Mox field. Follow the links below to stay tuned. All right, so let's talk about Dredge. That's another big pillar of the format. That's, you know, we've, we've seen Dredge for, you know, I don't know, 20 plus years. Yeah, so it, this is another one where, you know, Bizarre is still very powerful, but the Dredge mechanic itself has gotten less popular. And what's become more popular is uh, using Bazaar to do other things. So there's a very strong control Bazaar version uh, that plays tons of zero mana interaction. You've got Force of Will, Force of Negation, Force of Vigor. You've got um, Fury. Uh, You've got Noxious Revival. Uh, So you've got no mana in the deck, all zero mana interaction. And then since you're having to discard with Bazaar, uh, you have Squee, Goblin Nabob, okay. and you have Master of Death, which recur themselves. So you're constantly getting zero mana interaction every turn. And against something like a combo deck, uh, it's very hard to you get can just rip them that apart. mission. Yeah. Uh, Mindbreak Trap is another another one. So you just have a ton of zero mana interaction. Okay, that's really interesting. And and how does the deck win? So it has root wallas. Okay. Zero mana root wallas. Ba- basking, basking root wallas and the and uh, what? Fury blue blazing. That's the one. It has hollow one. And then uh, when you get to cast two of those cards, you also have a vengevine in your graveyard. Okay. Yeah. And and this isn't like you know it's not like limited where there are other creatures on the board. Those are gonna get those are gonna be enough to get through. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the fair blue decks then. So uh, you know we used to talk about big blue back in the day, which was you know basically just like your mana drain style control deck. Um, how how has this deck changed in the last like five years? So back in the day, a fair blue deck started with four mana drain. Okay. And today, uh, mana drain just isn't at that same power level. So what's actually probably the most played or close to the most played deck is a deck that is based in blue. It has a black splash for Orcish Bowmasters and the tutors, Demonic and Vampiric Tutor. Uh, And... Aside from your good blue cards, Force of Will, Force Negation, Ancestral Recall, uh, you have nine colorless lands, which is unusual for a blue deck. Yeah. Uh, four Urza Saga, four Wasteland, and one Strip Mine. And the, some of the ways you can 
pull this off is Lorian Revealed, okay. which is yeah. very flexible. It only costs one mana to get an island, but it also pitches to your forces. And getting five mana is definitely easier in Vintage than it is in Legacy. So there's a more realistic chance that you'll actually cast it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, uh, wow. So you're basically taking what is like the the Legacy 8 cast, uh, like shell, and throwing it into these blue decks and using, you know, Lauren Revealed to make sure that you've got that that blue mana. Um, mm-hmm. What are the win conditions in this deck? What, what is it playing as like a uh, you know creature base or is it using creatures? Yeah, so it's actually mentioned the uh, vintage port of 8-cast. Uh, Justin Gennari is uh, a pa- popular vintage streamer and he did take Legacy 8-cast and made it vintage. And he actually got second, I think, in last week's Vintage Challenge. Oh, wow. Okay, so we'll have to check um, that out. Did, did some nice work on that. Um, the Bowmaster deck that splashes black is a little bit more like a control deck. Um, so, you know, it usually wins with Urza Saga tokens. Okay. Um, that's one of the more... Reasonable way to win. Ways. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's really a lot of, um, you know, controlling uh, elements. Yeah, you mean you've got you've got the mana rocks out there. They're just sitting sitting around, adding to the power and toughness of your construct tokens. And then right. you know, it obviously the saga is going to grab you uh, something. You know, uh, is is there a package for for the saga, or is it just like okay, I'll grab a mox? Yeah, uh, so a lot of them will be playing uh, Mishra's Bobble just to get um, you know some card draw. Okay, and then something that's new is Luris. Luris, yeah. after it was, um, you know, they, they altered the only the card that was mechanic. ever banned. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that was pretty crazy when you could just um, put it into play off of Black Lotus. Yeah. Uh, but then they, when they added the three mana, you know, mechanic, it definitely fell in popularity. Uh, but it's become much more popular in recent years. And usually blue fair decks were based in casting Tinker. And getting something like Bolas's Citadel or Sphinx of the Steel Wind, yeah. and using that as the win condition, but that's become less popular. Maybe in the last couple months, Loris has become very popular for value. So people will uh, recur Mishra's Bobbles to draw two cards a turn. Um, they'll use it with Orcish Bowmasters because you create two blockers every time uh, if you're constantly recurring. Uh, oh yeah that's sweet so yeah you you know you can uh very long term set up a defense plan and give yourself some time uh to you know get your saga tokens out you know you could also fetch up a manifold key in a time vault and just go infinite so there's a lot of angles with this fair blue black deck by the way fair you you think like is infinite combo fair vintage it uh, doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Uh, but when you compare it to, say, something like Doomsday that wins immediately that turn yeah. um, and only requires one card, uh, at least Time Vault Manifold Key requires two cards. So it's yeah. a little bit more fair than the other combo decks. In fact, that's, yeah, the, the Time Vault, uh, you know, Time Vault and Key combo was kind of how I started. I think I started with the Brian DeMars deck in like 2014 uh, with my, you know, my vintage journey. Um, and that, yeah, it was just basically a, a fair blue deck. You played thought casts and you played, uh, you know, uh, you know, force of wills and stuff like that, but you're basically just trying to, to make that your win condition. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so so going from there, uh, let's talk about the combo decks. You know, Storm and Doomsday. Right. So I, I would say for the last few years, Doomsday has been arguably the most powerful deck. It's also probably the hardest deck to play. So it's not unexpected that the people who play it also do the best because they might they be know what they're some doing. of the best yeah. pilots. They know what they're doing. Exactly. Uh, also, if you don't know what you're doing, you kind of lose on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> you don't so get to the late um, rounds. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Uh, so it's a harsh you know, deck, but um, if you pull it off, it's powerful. Uh, is this so, in the style of like a Cephalid Breakfast, where you're where you're doing Thassa's Oracle shenanigans, or it, is it you different? are you are winning with Thassa's Oracle? Um, so if you have a card draw card in your hand already, you can win that same turn. Okay, uh, you can just stack your deck with a Thassa's Oracle, a couple other card draws, a Black Lotus, you know, an Ancestral Recall. So you get down to that last card in your deck, and you cast the Taxium Probe is legal in this format. Yeah. It is if you have a probe and doomsday in your hand and you're you know you know how to stack your deck against your opponent's permission or your opponent just has nothing, you just win. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty familiar. We have that uh the legacy uh uh doomsday deck tech with Eric Eric Rutowski. So uh I'll pop that up over here. So you get sort of an idea of what, what's going on. What are the things uh you know, aside from power that make this deck v- different than the legacy deck? Are, are there other uh, cards that they're playing that aren't like, uh, yeah. what is it? Uh, fall, fall of bottom. I forget the name of the card, uh, mm-hmm. s- stuff like that. Yeah. So Eric is a, a great player, uh, expert, um, doomsday pilot, and I could not pilot doomsday, uh, in legacy. Um, I might be able to do it in vintage cause it's kind of like you get training wheels. Yeah. You get Gataxian probe, which gives you full opponent information. You get Ancestral Recall, which is arguably the best card ever printed. You have Black <laughs> Lotus, which is also arguably the other best card ever printed. You get Gush, which is good in any circumstance, but very synergistic because uh, it's a free mana draw two, uh, which combines nicely with Doomsday. Yeah. Uh, Time Walk, surprisingly, is just okay. Um, if that you are sense, going yeah. to Champs and you have everything except a Time Walk, it's actually not essential for the deck. Okay. Um, I, I think it's probably easy to include, but it's, I think, the least important. Um, but yeah, you have a lot of extra tools. You get Vampiric Tutor, Mystical Tutor. You get all the good vintage cards. Awesome. Uh, I suppose that's the sort of deck that uh, really doesn't want Narset on the opponent's side of the board. No. Um, you have to be very patient. And there are even cards like the 60th card in the deck is very flexible. And some people choose sleight of hand as their 60th card okay. to get around exactly Narset and Hull Breacher because it puts the card into your hand. It doesn't make you draw it. Okay. Uh, and then what about, you were talking about Beseech the Storm earlier. Beseech is new. Um, it pairs very nicely with Tendrils of Agony. Tendrils storm decks have been pretty popular when I started playing almost 10 years ago. And they kind of fell out of favor because Doomsday just became uh, the go-to dark ritual deck of the format. 
uh, but Beseech the Storm is very powerful. Uh, it easily sacrifices a Mox or even a Urza Sog because it's an enchantment to make the spell that you're searching for free. Uh, and it gives you a lot of redundancy, additional tutors that are essentially free. And they're kind of must counters. You know, you might be like, oh, I'll let the Beseech resolve and then I'll counter the spell. But if the spell they're searching for has Storm, you kind of yeah. can't. So I haven't played against Beseech decks a whole lot, but um, it gives a little bit more life to those Tendrils decks that I've seen not as much play recently. Yeah. Um, so from there, I guess the questions I have are, you know, what's missing? Uh, you didn't tell me about Delver decks at all. So are Delver decks still a thing? Yeah, so I, I love playing Delver decks and Legacy. I even did my best to make Delver work in Vintage. Uh, I had just started playing again after that 10-year break. Yeah. And um, You were the guy. You were the Delver guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I probably was playing a little underpowered. You know, Monastery Mentor was unrestricted at the time. Oh, my gosh. I was still playing Delver of Secrets. And, you know, I had some success with it and had fun with it, but... Um, I think I was probably a little underpowered yeah. compared to what I could have been doing. And at this point, Delver is just yeah. unplayable and vintage. Dreadhorde Arcanist close. isn't seeing any play or anything like that? Dreadhorde Arcanist is not. Well, um, it actually was seeing a little bit of play, um, but not with Delver. It was seeing play in a Jeskai control deck. Okay. So you had Loris as your companion. You had Mentor, Dreadhorde Arcanist, Lavinia. But since... Um, Urza's Saga was printed, it's very hard for that deck to deal with Urza's Saga. So they actually started to have to play their own wastelands just to deal with it. So I really love Vintage because every time a new card is printed, the metagame is so powerful that you immediately have to answer the new threat with changing your deck a little bit, bringing in a new card, coming up with a new strategy. So that's one thing I like about Vintage is you kind of don't have time to just keep doing the same thing anymore. Yeah. It inspires a lot of new innovation. Or like we talked about in the beginning, Flash. I mean, how old is that card? Yeah. 25 years? At least. I can't... <laughs> and, you know, it was comboed with Protein Hulk. Um, but, uh, you know, just flashing in a creature for value is, is pretty cool that you can do that again. Yeah, that's wild. So the other the other deck is, uh, uh, in those pillars is the is the mono white vintage deck. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that is um, new as of last year uh, when the initiative uh, mechanic was printed, and Raja James won last year's vintage championship with a new mechanic, yeah. which is amazing when you take a thirty year format <laughs> and a new mechanic is printed and it wins. The championship. So it's defined by cards like Archon of Amirio, which you can cast on turn one with protection. You go Mana Crypt Cavern, and now you just lock your opponent out of the game. You can do the same thing uh, with all the initiative creatures. Um, you know, you got a ton of other utility creatures. Uh, Thalia, of course, makes um, you know, an appearance there. And then you use some innovation. Uh, you really need white mana 
So Chrome Mox is actually played in this deck, four of, and you compare Chancellor of the Annex with Chrome Mox. You reveal it, it counters your opponent's first spell for one, and uh, then you just stick it on a Chrome Mox for mana. Uh, so there, there's a lot of a lot going on in the deck. Um, it's very powerful, and it's strange that I would you know offer the same advice as a combo deck where mulligan aggressively, yeah. you know, turn one combo or turn two combo with protection. Uh, mulligan aggressively with this deck. Uh, make sure you have a strong turn one play, and uh, yeah, that's what vintage is about: strong turn one plays. Yeah. Not necessarily winning on turn one, which I think is a common misconception of 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 uh, vintage. That like that's just what happens all the time. Uh, there's a lot of interplay there, but I think yeah, it, you need to have something on turn one ha- happening. Otherwise, someone else does. Right. You better have protection or something strong. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's a great encapsulation of of the the format. I think from a pretty high scope. Uh, so, uh, one, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, I know you had, you have a pretty busy day going on, so I really appreciate uh, you coming on kind of at the last minute so that we can talk about vintage and, uh, I'll be interested to see what happens at, uh, at the tournament. We'll have the link for that below, uh, as well. If you want to get in, uh, involved in that, uh, tournament, uh, you know, I'll have the link so you can contact Dave. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what comes out of this. Cause I think it's going to do a lot to set the tone, at least for the New York crowd. Uh, before Eternal Weekend. For sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, Dave. Well, thanks so much. And uh, everybody, thanks for watching. If you like this video, subscribe, all that stuff, like it, you know, comment below. uh, What are you playing? And uh, we'll check you later. Thanks for watching. If you have the means to support the channel, please check us out on Patreon and check out this next video. It's pretty great.